Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. One of the biggest obstacles was to believe in myself and to say, I can build this. It doesn't mean anything if I fail. I can grow from that. Hi, my name is Shauna Arnett, and I am the founder of Haste and Hustle. And I have been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about two years. The Women in Tech podcast is such an interesting way to appreciate the, the lives of women in tech. I find that Esprit really does such a great job of pulling out the honesty and the truth of what we as women in the technology industry go through. And um, I, I love the stories. I love the inspiration. It really motivates me to support that industry, support those women, and to go out into the world in my best way and do my best work because I see so many women going out there every day and doing it. And Esprit just does such a great job of pulling out their stories. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. We're so proud of what we've created with the Women in Tech podcast. To support us in our journey to celebrating women in tech around the world, go to womenintech.fm and click on the donation link on the right side of the page. That's womenintech.fm. The donation link is the top right side of the page. We really appreciate you being a part of our journey and we look forward to celebrating so many more women to come. It's Saturday right now. Seems like Los Angeles is experiencing some sort of heat wave and summer's not over yet at the end of October, which is crazy. Just been going through a lot of transitioning, moving studios and transforming into what's next. It's crazy. The most recent big thing I did is in my home, I have right boards and mirrors everywhere and I have these quotes and calculations and positive statements everywhere. And um, a friend of mine suggested that maybe I'm hiding behind them all. They've been up on my walls for years. And it's almost like banner blindness where I didn't even see them anymore. They were just there. And so I decided to take this big leap and Windex them off of everywhere. And everything is a totally blank slate. And it was weird, this energy shift that I felt as I did that. It was crazy, like looking at all, I'm looking at them now and it's just, it's a normal mirror and a normal blank right board. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing to like let go of what was or let go trying to force yourself to fit into a box or force myself and to fit into what I thought was supposed to be and just to invent whatever right now is meant to be instead of supposed to be, to live in meant to be. And not in like a a a dreary way. It's not that I can't create my tomorrow and invent my reality and all these things, like these quotes that I had up. But it's just kind of like there's this quote that I read today about letting life happen and like flowing with it instead of resisting the change. And uh and resisting what what change is thwarted upon us. And I think that that's a really great way to to 
find more ease in my day-to-day is how do I find the fluidity in the change that's happening and in all the transformation rather than resisting it, rather than trying to force myself to be something else. I don't know, maybe too philosophical for a Saturday, but that's what I've been going through. I hope you guys are having a great week, a great weekend, a great morning, a great night, wherever you are listening to this podcast. And I hope you enjoy the next episode. Bye. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, connecting and collaborating and celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited to be here in London, England to feature our next guest. Yes, welcome, Melissa. (laughs) Thank you. Melissa and I were just having a kumbaya session before we started recording. (laughs) So, Melissa, go ahead and tell everybody about who you are and what you do. Going back to a kumbaya session, which I loved. Uh, It's very tied to, well, yeah, it's very tied to mental health and it's very tied to the company that I'm building. So my background, so I'm a designer. Um, I co-founded a company, well, three companies now. This is the fourth one that I'm founding. Um, All of them in different sectors. But my practice has been in the intersection of science, art, and technology. And yeah, so I my bachelor's degree is um, I'm an industrial designer, but I came to London to study a global innovation design master's uh, at Imperial and the Royal College of Art. Imperial! Imperial, Imperial. College London. I went. Really? And I saw the incubator program. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have a hiatus episode that's live right now that you guys have all probably listened to. And I'm leaving Imperial. I just met with like women in tech. At, I saw them like in the incubator and I was walking out on the construction and yeah. I, we did, I did my whole like, um, talking to the listeners, to you guys, <laughs> um, like leaving Imperial. That's so cool. So you were in that program. So Imperial runs a lot of programs. Okay. So one of them, so my master's is under the Dyson School of Engineering. Right. So, yeah, so it's in the engineering sector. And this one, I bet that it's under the business sector. So it's a different, uh, yeah, a different building, let's say. And when did you first become passionate about technology? I think it happened for a long time for me. So the second company that I co-founded was so I was trying, so in 2008, I was trying to uh, connect restaurants with the users in a more seamless way. So what we co-founded was uh, ordering food online mm-hmm. through your mobile. But we didn't have mobiles back then in Mexico City. So it was a quite complicated area to explain to investors and people. So I got interested in technology very little. But then like I was, I remember having... I remember that my parents gave me my first computer when I was around 12 years old. But then I remember going to my auntie's place to play with a computer and like read Encarta, you know, like yeah. the encyclopedia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I created my first email when I was, I don't know, like six year old. What was so, the email? Do you remember? <laughs> I don't remember, but I think it was something around like Melstick, <laughs> like something like that. It doesn't like... It doesn't mean anything. And it's even like, why does it have a stick on there? Yeah. <laughs> it, it was called mail stick at, I probably, it was Hotmail yeah. or something. So it was like very old times. I remember that my, my emails were about, um, they were, so I send jokes to my friends. So yeah. that's everything that I did. Just like browsing jokes and then send it to my friends, which I, it was like three recipients or something. 
So, yeah. <laughs> so, so funny. So I got on Gmail when it was new and I didn't, I don't know why I just didn't put together the, the novelty. So I didn't take my name. <laughs> I should have. And I, so I, I'm not going to say what it is because I still use it. Okay. But I have, I have this like quirky like Gmail for my personal emails. <laughs> I, me too. And the first email that I got uh, from Gmail was the continuation of the hotmail that I got. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> it was like mail stick and a bat. <laughs> exactly. It was like mail stick. And I was, I don't know, like 20 years old. And people were like, why are you having that handle? And I was like, okay, I need to change it. So now I change it. It's yeah. more formal. I think at the time you could only have one Gmail or so. I don't remember. No, I didn't either. Um, okay, so tell me tell me about your passion for mental health and how you're uh, integrating the two worlds of technology and, and loving ourselves. <laughs> yeah, so when I was starting the other companies, so the third company that I co-founded is still running in Mexico City. And what we did was... Basically, it grew organically as a company, but you don't know how much stress you have under your shoulders when you are starting a company on, totally. unless you are under it. Yeah. Right? So, and there's no one to talk about this. Like, I remember when I wanted to talk to my parents about it, they were like, well, yeah, you are super stressed, but it's another level of stress because everything is up on you. Like, you are accountable for everything. Yeah. So, first of all, I found, well... I realized that there's no way of talking about mental health in when you are co-founding a company. If you're a woman, also you cannot talk about these things, depression, anxiety, none of that. My mom suffered anxiety, uh, depression when I was older, uh, younger. So I remember that she, she didn't want to talk about it. She was more like, let me just cry by myself. And when I'm better, I'm going to be like playing with you. So that was a really tough time for me to see my mom crying and she was feeling like very low and yeah. me not able to do anything my dad felt like terrible yeah but it was because there was this stigma around you cannot talk about depression or you cannot talk about totally. mental health but I didn't realize how that impacted my life until I started building this fourth company uh, make so it all started with me talking about the arts and technology so Based on my background that is in design, I'm pretty much in the art area. Wait, let's start. Let, I think it's getting slightly confusing for a second. Let's start. The okay. first three companies, what interest, industries were they in? Okay. So the first company was in bioplastics. So I co-founded a company that we wanted to get rid of plastics and 10 years ago. That's insane. What were you studying before then? So I was studying my, uh, my bachelor's degree that is in design. So yeah. I'm an industrial designer. But I did a, a program yeah. in Chiapas. In, so I'm from Mexico City. Okay. And we did a program in Chiapas. And what I did, what I saw there was amazing because people were using organic materials to wrap up their things. And yeah. everything that they were using basically was organic. Yeah. However, when the Coca-Cola company and the other one that was selling pastries went to that area... It's a very, so it's a native area in Mexico. It's called Celtales. And the packaging was plastic. And they didn't know how to do anything without it. So just throw it to the crops or like throw yeah. it to the, to the land, right? Yeah. So I saw that and it was like, this cannot happen. Yeah. But I realized how well they were with the organic materials. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to bring those organic materials yeah. to the city. So that's how bioplastics started. I mean, I could get into so many questions on that alone. <laughs> like, how do you go from knowing nothing to creating such a huge impact and a shift? 
I mean, at least that, how do you go from zero to having a company that does that well? Yeah, so it was really good. It was really, really good to, uh, so back in college, so there was this professor that was teaching us entrepreneur, yeah. entrepreneurship, that, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. that was called. And she was guiding us to how do you come up with an idea and turn it into a business. Yeah. So that's how I turned my idea into how can we build a business out of this. So she helped me through the whole journey to do it, to make it happen. So we, we make it happen. And the weird thing is that we start shipping material, like bioplastic material from China. But then just the shipping, the logistics of it, we were already polluting a lot. Yeah. Like it was not helping at all. So we realized that and I needed to take some time off to rethink what we wanted to do. And then I met this guy that was actually doing the bioplastic in Mexico. But we needed an investment to continue the, the production. Yeah. And we couldn't uh, find investments back in Mexico back back in that time. So it was like 10 so years So the ago. company wrapped? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Company number two. Company number two was around that time as well. So it started with an idea as well. And the idea was how can we connect businesses to their customers? And we created this app that helped you to order food online. But the problem was that technology was not there yet, at mm. least in Mexico City. So hmm, how can we order food online? If I, you were ahead of your time it was a little bit like that because it was when the time that facebook was launching as well what so, yeah so you um, could have been uber or postmates i, I don't know <laughs> all of them. i don't think so but oh well we don't know but i think you might have too big of a heart <laughs> <laughs> i think i think there has to be some sort of like ruthless something going on in order to even operate companies of that scale and also when you are i was i was like i don't know like a 19 or 20 so i was like when they told you, yeah, this is an amazing idea, you are like, well, yeah, but yeah, okay, I just, I need to go to, to my different class or yeah. different lecture. So basically that happened. We won the, one of the competitions in the internal university yeah. and it was really good. And then we, we got some funding from the university to continue building the app and we were connected to technologies, well, technology partners to actually build the product. And we also got some interest from Microsoft Mexico to continue doing this uh, because we needed to buy some scooters. One of the problems was logistics behind this model. So how can you help businesses to deliver the product to the users? And one of them was like scooters. So Microsoft got interested in funding this. But again, we were like, oh, okay, this is cool. Okay, I need to continue with my classes. Oh, so see you later. <laughs> yeah. Okay, number three. And number three is called Creativo 3 and it's still running. Uh, it's still running in Mexico City. And it's a uh, design studio. So basically we do all refurbishments and we build and design furniture for specific clients. Uh, it's B2B and B2C. And you're still operating it? Um, I'm still a co-founder, but I'm, I stepped down as CEO. Got it. So yeah, my co-founder, Natalia, she's like taking it there and like doing all the hard work for me. And now your company, Make? Yeah, now this company is called Make. I co-founded the company four months ago, let's say. So I incorporated in April. And, and what's your vision for it? So it's more in the preventative area. So we want to prevent young adults from developing mental health issues like depression and anxiety. So right now we know that three quarters of the mental illnesses start before the age of 24 and 70% of these people never seek treatment. So we want to help the people that don't seek treatment or the ones that they do, they need to wait around 
100 days to receive the treatment or like not even the treatment, the service. So it's a very pressing area for the world, basically, to how you cope with something that you don't know how to to cope with. And then yeah. on top of that, you need to wait a lot to get a service, not yeah. even the whole treatment. Yeah. So we partner with the LSE, the London School of Economics, and we are running this pilots in, in the LSE to understand better how our product is helping young adults to increase their well-being. So our mission is to put creativity as a new mindfulness. So like 20 years ago that we're talking about yoga and like kombucha and like all these things. Uh, Right now we want to talk about uh, creativity and how can we legitimize creativity as a new mindfulness. There's a podcast that I just listened to. There's uh, one of my favorite podcasts. It's called Death, Sex, and Money. Have you heard of it? No. It's by Anna Sale. And there's a guest host. Who I, it escapes me who the guest host is. But anyway, the guest host interviewed Trevor Noah. Oh, yeah. Do you know who yes. I'm talking about? Is yeah, that yeah, yeah. Okay. And he's like the host of The Daily Show or something. And he has depression. And I can't think of – I highly recommend you check out this episode yeah. – he called himself something like an, a depressed optimist or something like that. <laughs> like his his perspective on depression was like nothing I'd ever heard of before. It was kind of like he just accepts that this is how his body works and there's nothing wrong with him. So he's like, the problem is that everybody gives it such a stigma like, oh, you're depressed. Let's get rid of that. He's like, instead, I just learn myself and how to function. And so he was describing this one situation he had, like, I guess when he got hired at a job, maybe it was even the Daily Show, I'm not sure. He's like, look, some days I'm going to come in early and then some days I'm going to be just on time and then some days I'm going to be late because I'm going to Tough situation. No, because I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a really hard time getting out of bed because I'm not gonna understand like why I should get out of bed ever again. And his boss was like, "What?" Like, (laughs) and he's like, "This is just what it is." And he's like, "And it's okay." And this is you know. And then he tells himself, "He's like, well, if this is really the end." what are all the things that I want to do? And he'll list like his dream things. And he's like, well, let me just go do those things, you know? And then he gets himself out of it. But it was really interesting. He didn't feel like a victim to depression, which is, I I felt like he, um, what I, my takeaway from his interview is that he had such a level of self-acceptance. It was just awesome. Just awesome. And I know um, about a year and a half ago, my friend took his life and I fell into a horrible depression. And um, my friend Lucas, thank you, Lucas, like um, stuck with me through the whole thing. And depression is a really strange state of mind. And I just wanted it to be over, like the depression. I'm like, oh my God, will I ever be me again? I felt like yeah. I was like a shell of a person. Just, there was just like nothing inside. It was strange. And Lucas would say, stop trying to like be something else. Stop trying to make something go away. He's like, look at it as a head cold. You can't just decide your cold is done. It just has to ride it out and then it will eventually go away. And it may be a week and it may be three months or maybe longer. Yeah. It's like, but it's just a head cold. There's nothing wrong. You're just, you just have a head cold. And so I don't know. I, I, I think that, um, part of the problem or a huge part, you know, what Trevor was saying is the stigma of, yeah. 
of it. It feels like, uh, yeah. We're not allowed to talk about these things. We're not allowed to talk about it. We're not allowed to be it. God forbid somebody posts something sad, like online. Everybody's like, go get help, you know? Yeah. Like, you can't have a bad day. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. You have to pretend that everything is fine and you are this amazing, incredible, social, super active person that doesn't have any doubts of themselves totally insta perfect exactly it's just like that's not true and what struck me as well is that when i was doing research about like to understand better mental health now that you said the insta perfect uh so here in the uk i bet it's also in the us like all over the world but uh what i what i learned is that girls from 13 to 18 they create two different instagrams accounts so one is called winster and the other one is called finster so one is the real one, which they, it's like the close one and the finst, so the fake one is, so they're calling the fake one as in their personal one that is a close account and just some people can follow them. But the real Instagram is like, I'm this perfect person. So it's already like the other way around It's the opposite. So it doesn't mm. make sense. So we are already at that stage of you have to pretend that everything is right because otherwise it's just like you're a failure. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so what does make mean to us? Like, where is it going? Like, what do you see for it? What are you working on? Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. What does make mean to us? Like, where is it going? Like, what do you see for it? So what are you working on? We wanted to understand if people would like to use it, basically. So based on our research that we did, so we had 200 surveys and we also had in-depth user interviews. And we found that already young adults are using creativity to cope with the stress. So they do calligraphy at night or they do collages or like different creative uh, stuff. And that rang a bell uh, in a very positive way. So then we decided, why don't we combine these things and, and actively like, let's say, legalize or like make it in a way that you don't feel guilty by using me time and taking some time out of productivity to make you feel better. So that's why we are right now we're packaging art materials in a box. So we are curating creative activities guided through uh, soothing audio. And we wanted to make it fun as well. So we want to break the taboo of because it's mental health, it has to be like very calm and like very quiet. It's also like this is also fun and we can talk about this in a more comedy, let's say. Right. Like, more, more fun way of talking about it and that you feel relatable to. Right. Right now we are running some tests, let's say, science, scientific. We want to scientifically proven that the maker boxes help you uh, with the effectiveness of building and, and increasing your well-being. And we are understanding which side of well-being is that actually the thing that is helping you to build. And what exists 
right now? Like, what can I access today? So right now we have the website that you can go there and we launch our first batch, which we are sold out. So you can... Yeah. Yeah. How did you. you do that? Um, so we start posting the photos of the, of the Maker Box and we start building our community and we write a newsletter right, uh, every week. We send a newsletter writing the updates and the learnings of the company. So we started to build this community around well-being and creative well-being. So from the newsletters, we sell the first batch. That's amazing. Yeah. And so right now we are iterating. We are learning from the users. We are learning from their feedback. And we are iterating in the second development. And um, how much is it? A maker box? Uh, so right now it's 15 pounds, uh, the subscription. So every month you pay 15 pounds. What we want to do as well is to give you some insights of who you are. So we want Wait, to. So are you sold out of the membership then right now? The first batch was just a one-off box. Oh, got so it. So we okay. wanted to understand, okay, what is the pricing? Um, and how much fits. was that? That was nine ninety-nine, so ten pounds per box. And how did you decide on the pricing? And did it work, or was it too low or too high? Or uh, so right now we have different range of costs because the maker boxes are different. So you will have a different material every month, um, a different art material. So we created a table, like the unit economics. So now we know that they range the different range of, of costs. And f from there, we can take it to, to the market. So we are around nine to 15 pounds. So yeah, it's a good range. And how did you choose 15 for the membership? Um, because doing also benchmarking. So we understand which other companies are doing similar things. Mm. So, so far, we haven't found someone that is exactly in the creative well-being area in terms yeah. of a physical product that sends you a box. But there are other companies, digital companies that are trying to do uh, very similar ideas. And some of them are, are around that that cost. That's so cool. Super side question. Yeah. Mexico to England. <laughs> Why? And <Yeah>. when? <laughs> So as everything that has happened to me, I was not planning to stay in London. I planned to come here. So I was running Creativo Tres when I decided to come to London uh, to study my master's. So I applied to the RCA and Imperial and I did this global innovation design master's. And the very attractive thing is that you leave abroad one year as well. So it's a two year program. Yeah. But one year is in London and one year is in Asia. So I lived in Asia as well. So Where I was in Asia? Like, uh, I lived in China, in Thailand, in Singapore, wow. in Japan. Wow. And, yeah. So cultured. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so when I, when I arrived to London, was the idea was to study the master's. When it finished, I was about to... So I got offered the PhD at, at Singapore and then at Imperial as well. So I was debating between continuing as a PhD, but where? Yeah. And then I met this incubator, which Make is part of, and they offered me a place. So... Here nice. I am. Nice. Yeah. And how can people connect with you further? So you can go to the website that is beamaker.co and we also have Instagram account that is beamaker.co. And where can they say hi to you? <laughs> For me, so the Instagram account is bien.chicles. I can write Gum. that down. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's a very Mexican thing. Um, and my LinkedIn is easier. So my LinkedIn is Melisa Leñero. And can you spell that for everybody? Uh, my LinkedIn is M-E-L-I-S-A-L-E-N-E-R-O. Perfect. Yeah. What is your favorite book? Ooh, I have a lot of them. I have so many that I want to say. So <laughs> my co-founder is Paul Dolan, and he wrote a book. The, the last one is called Happy Ever After. 
uh, I recommend that one. And the other one that I recommend is about emotions, how emotions are made, The Secret Life of the Brain by Lisa Feldman Barrett. Uh, that one is basically our, our guide uh, right now, our Bible. Let's I say. have to read that. It's really good. It, it, like, the Secret Life of the Brain? Yeah. Oh, what a great the title. The Secret Life of the Brain and how emotions are made, basically, wow. and how our brain makes emotions. <gasps> So I have it's, to read it's right that. now like breaking with all the taboos around emotions and they're universal and everyone can read emotions. That's not true. I have to read <laughs> all that. All of them, all of us have different features to show emotions. So yeah, it's great. And what is your favorite uh, tech tool? It could be software, hardware, device. Tech tool. Uh, at mobile app. I think what I can say, well, Google, I think Google has amazing. Yeah, it's just that. You know what? As a designer, like I use a lot of different Adobe. Uh, yeah. Like I am subscribed to the, the Creative Cloud, so I use. You all just of them. switched to a Google phone. Yeah, and I did exactly. So I've been doing. Uh, I've been using uh, iPhone since it started. All my life, I've been using also a laptop that is an, a MacBook, but um, I needed to change phones, so yeah. I decided to go for the Google Pixel. The delivery, the shipping was horrible it was the worst experience in my life but having the phone has been yeah it was has been really really good and i think that's the tech yeah tool that i use the most and what is an obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it completely honest i think has been my mental health it has been one of the biggest obstacles was to believe in myself and to say i can build this it doesn't mean anything if i fail i can grow from that but I think has been a long journey. And even though it's your fourth, fifth, tenth company, you will always suffer from some type of mental health issue. So just overcoming that has been really difficult for me. But I have been really grateful that I have my family and my partner that has been there for me all the time. So yeah, having a network has helped me. Especially in this space, in our industry and tech, I I think that we deal with mental health so much. And we're such an industry that it seems like we always have to seem perfect. Yeah. To one another, not even just online, to one another. You have to walk into yeah. a networking event and there may be an investor there. So I have to, everything's perfect and everybody's wanting everything and I'm so in demand. And, like, yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, you're like crumbling apart in the inside. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy that for me, one day can go like, I don't believe in this. I don't believe in myself. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. And the next step is just like, this is amazing. This is brilliant. You talk to one of your, your customers and that person is just like, this is brilliant. And then you believe in that as well again. And it's just like a roller coaster of emotions. And then you don't believe in yourself and then you go to this meeting that you have to or pitching event and you, you pitch your idea and yeah. you're just like, this is, this is going to revolutionize the world. And it's just, you know, like there's so many steps or like milestones and then roller coaster, emotional roller coaster yeah. that you need to, to overcome that. Yeah. I think that has been, um, a very tough journey, but it has been great. Have you been on a podcast before? No. Ah! I love it when I get to be the like it's it's so exciting that I get to be part of that journey. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, you are my first my That's first so podcast. Exciting. Yeah, thank do you, you listen to podcasts? I do. Which one do you recommend to everybody? Oh, I love the how I built this from yeah, Guy Ross. I, like I love it. It's just that the other guy, the other time when I was having this up um, Google problem delivery and so on, the person that was helping me had the same voice as Guy Guy Ross. Yeah. And every time that he was asking me a question, I was just picturing myself 
probably one day I'm going to be sitting in that couch and just as answering those questions. And then I told the guy from Google, you sound like just like this guy. And it was just like hilarious <laughs> for me. Yeah, that's a good show. I Yeah, I, re I, I highly recommend that. Also, because you hear all these great founders talking about your same problems and then you relate instantly to to those stories. And then you think, well, I'm not the only one that has passed through this. And they're big entrepreneurs they're like yeah. super successful exactly. with huge companies that you think are invincible and, and have everything human. figured out exactly. yeah yeah it humanizes what we think perfection is yeah yeah definitely i love that i will i will write that down <laughs> humanizes what we think perfection is <laughs> thank you so much for being with the women in tech podcast taking your time having that kumbaya session before we started recording <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i can put my mental health in check um, you've been incredible. If you want to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight to the Facebook group. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for having me. I am Melissa Leñero, co-founder and CEO at Make. We want to make creativity a new mindfulness through creative activities and guided reflection. We're combining the behavioral sciences techniques with art therapy theories all wrapped in a personalized monthly maker box to increase your well-being. And we're based in London and you are listening to Women in Tech. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. We're so proud of what we've created with the Women in Tech podcast. To support us in our journey to celebrating women in tech around the world, go to womenintech.fm and click on the donation link on the right side of the page. That's womenintech.fm. The donation link is the top right side of the page. We really appreciate you being a part of our journey and we look forward to celebrating so many more women to come. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. Show notes by Carl Marty. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.